Daniel's Dread Tales is a show for grown-ups. It may contain adult language and adult themes. Please check the episode description for content warnings. Welcome back to Daniel's Dread Tales. I'm your host, Daniel Fernandez. This week marks the start of our pilot season. We're going to be running a series of different games and then turning the one you like best into an ongoing campaign. And this week we start with some Trail of Cthulhu with the whole regular gang. So please enjoy this two-part introduction to Eternal Lies. Welcome back to Daniel's Dread Tales. Oh, I was in the introduction. You didn't need to hear that. Um, welcome to our first episode, our pilot for Eternal Lies. So how this is going to work, let's, let's meet our lovely cast. Each one of you is going to be being contacted by a mysterious benefactor. But first... Let's see what's going on in each one of our lovely characters' lives before the adventure comes to them. Um, let's see. How about you, Reginald? Oh, of course it's me first. Yeah. So <laughs> what you see is Reginald is actually at an airfield. We're not 100% sure where. It's somewhere in the States. <laughs> and he's getting ready to take off for kind of just a joyride around in a uh, small aircraft that he's borrowing from a another ex-military veteran that he knows. What you see, though, is a slightly heavy-set man in, if you had to guess, you would say about his mid-30s. Slight, very faint, like, light scars on his face. You can tell that he has been... He he's He's been in quite a few physical altercations in the past. And the main other notable feature is he has an eye patch over his left eye. All right. And are you sitting in the plane right now, or are you getting ready to get into the plane? He would be sitting in the plane, basically doing his pre-taxi checks and stuff like that. And one of the guys who works at the airfield just runs out and is, like, waving some papers at you. He's like, hey, hey, wait up, wait, wait, wait. Uh, can't you see I'm busy here? You're gonna want to see this. And you're handed a letter. And then we'll go to the next person. I di you didn't say your name, though. We didn't say your name. We should have said your, like, real life name, shouldn't we? Oh, yes. I I'm <laughs> yeah. Damien, a regular. Yes. He, they. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Your, <laughs> your character is important, but we also got to remember you, Damien. You're a real person. Our next person, let's take a look at JB. So the camera zooms in on someone sitting at their desk, and the person there is this just shabby fucking nerd just like if stephen king was uh took style tips from columbo you know this is just <laughs> the nerdiest man you've ever seen and he is currently typing away at a typewriter before tearing off the page crumpling it into a ball and throwing it into a waste bin which is currently filled with about half a dozen others and you hear a knock at your door hmm Probably should go answer that then. 
There are two men standing there, and one of them just says, Mr. Falk. Uh, speaking? How can I help right. you? They gesture towards a gleaming white car on the street and say, my boss has a job for you. And now we will cut over. Oh, uh, before we go, who are you? Hi, everyone. I'm Nathan, regular here on Daniel's Dread Tales. Pronouns he, him. And let's see our last character looking over at Colin. Colin Kane, private eye. He's on the bad side of middle age and looks a bit beaten down by the world and what he's seen in it. He just finished up a job for some high society types, so he's clean-shaven for the first time in weeks. He's sitting at his desk in the uniform. A long coat for the rain and a hat for the eyes, but he can't bring himself to wear a tie. Too much like a noose. And this is Russell, pronouns they, them. Yes. And are you sitting in your office doing that private eye thing of look at all very serious? Absolutely. All right. Your telephone rings. Look around for someone else to answer it, but uh, secretary left a couple weeks ago. And you hear, I mean, you hear a voice on the line and it's somebody with a job. All right. We fade away from that and we now see the three of you. Maybe you're all arriving in different ways. But you're arriving at an airfield in upstate New York. You've all been told that a woman by the name of Janet Winston Rogers uh, needs your help. And she's willing to pay good money for it. So, how do you think you are arriving at an airfield in upstate New York? And you've been directed to a specific hangar to go to. Uh, what was that name again? Janet Winston something. Janet Winston Rogers. Yeah, Rogers. and if you want to know anything about her, you could have done any sort of investigation stuff about her before you came over or anything like that. I think I would have taken a taxi. It's a little bit of a long drive from New York to here, but a taxi will take your money. And hopefully Winston Rogers will uh, reimburse you. Yep, that's um, the hope. That's the hope. And as you are pulling up, the hangar itself, as you're going up to it, is sort of strangely posh. There is a, a beautiful airplane uh, in there. You probably don't know much about airplanes, though, but it's it's silver. It's very lovely. But you see in the front of the hangar, there's a bunch of, like, short little bookshelves, some tables covered in maps, and it's like there's, like, a parlor room in the midst of an airplane hangar. And there is a woman uh, sitting there, and you also see there is a gentleman who seems to be uh, fiddling with the plane. Uh, so you're driving up in your taxi. What about you, Reginald? How are you arriving? Maybe you're flying in. I don't know. <laughs> Reginald is flying in, in the plane that he borrowed from his friend. <laughs> so yeah, Reginald kind of flies in, taxis, pulls up to the hangar, and then like the first person that yep. comes up to like do the whole like post-flight stuff, yeah, he's going to get out, look at them, and say, uh, th this plane has to get back to Hoboken. Uh, tomorrow. So if you could get a pilot on that, that would be great. And then just without saying anything else, just walks to the hangar. Uh, the guy looks flabbergasted at this sort of request, but um, you walk away too quickly for him to do anything about it. This random air uh, airport employee that you're never going to see again. Or it's fine. Not. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. It's fine. The plane will get back to where it needs to go eventually. Yeah. So you were pulling up in your taxi. I realize we, we cut away from that. Uh, what do you do as you're uh, getting out of your taxi there, uh, Colin? Uh, you say I see someone? Yeah, there is, a, there is a woman sitting there. She is... Look, ha, I got a question for you. 
what sort of cases are you getting? What sort of jobs do you usually have? Oh, uh, you know, the usual cheating spouses and whatever the book described there for the base. Private okay. Day. So cheating spouses and investigating like sort of money and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. She, I mean, I just want to say it. She looks like the typical femme fatale. Maybe something out of a more of a uh, fantastical version of what a private eye would be dealing with than your normal boring cases. She's a striking blonde in her, she's probably in her 30s. And she is sitting, she's dressed like a, a businesswoman would dress. She seems very serious, but you can't help but notice that she is just, there, there's something in her eyes that you recognize as trouble. All right. Yeah. Uh, is that a hyphenate Winston Rogers or? It is a hyphenate Winston Rogers. All right. Uh, Miss Winston Rogers, I presume? Uh, Colin Kane, Private Eye. Oh, yes. I'm so glad that you're able to make it here. Um, I hope it wasn't too much of a issue to drive out here. My father owned this hangar, and, uh, well, the plane will come in handy for us. I see. Uh, what sort of work are you expecting here? Uh, I'm looking into something that happened to my father several years ago. I hope you don't mind, but... I would rather wait for the other uh, people that I've hired to arrive, so I only have to explain this once. Others, so please... you say? Yes, yes. Um, there's, there's two others that I hired. I hope you don't mind. Please take a seat. And, um, and she waves over to the gentleman who's messing around with the airplane. Frank, darling, Frank, could you uh, get Mr. Kane here a drink? Um... And a uh, a large, lanky guy who seems like from a completely different world than Mister uh, Miss Winston Rogers says, uh, "Yeah, sure, you got it, boss." And he says, uh, "What can I get you?" I'll get an iced tea. An iced tea. All right, let me look. And he uh, goes back, and there's uh, you hear him ruff ruffling around. There appears there's a refrigerator near the back of this hangar as well. Again, very well appointed. And Reginald, uh, I assume you've made it to the hangar at this point. Yeah, at this point, yeah, I figure Reginald would be walking in. Um, now, Russell, you said that Colin and Reg Reginald had worked together in the past. I had. Perfect. Colin is is that you, Reginald? Colin didn't expect to see you here. Nor I you, my friend. What brings you about these parts? I hired him, of course. I didn't know that you two had uh, already met each other. That should make this uh, situation a lot easier for all of us. Oh, I've been in quite a few situations that Reginald made easier for me. Oh, well, hopefully this situation won't be too difficult. Um, we're only waiting for one more person to arrive. And Nathan, how is JB getting here? Well... He was promised a taxi and a nice white car. Oh, yeah. So you were driven there by the yes. white car. Yes. Mm -hmm. I forgot that. That Yes. Yeah. Her two associates driven you there. They didn't have a lot to say. They told you mostly that Miss Winston Rogers needed you and there would be quite a good payday if you came. And I suppose you, you know, needed distraction from your writing. Yeah, I... As a writer, the promise of a payday, a bit too good to pass up. JB comes out of the car, looking confused and out of place, but like, you know, curious. He's rolling with this. 
gonna see where the, all this goes makes sense so now the three of you are here you do see two other gentlemen here one a you know a dick who's had a hard life and uh, a veteran with an eye patch hiya jb Falk. how you doing uh reginald nice to meet you pleased to meet you i just eye you suspiciously and light up a cigarette <laughs> sounds about right and frank comes out with the iced tea and he says all right i got that iced tea for you oh god okay we got more people here. No, I I guess that, that was going to happen. Here here you go. My thanks. And he offers you the iced tea. He says, uh, I guess probably, do you, do you guys want anything? You got a bourbon? Bourbon? Yeah, I, I think we could find something. Perfect. Coffee's so sweet it doesn't count as coffee anymore for me. Great. I'll I'll, I'll see what I could do. Uh, I'll see if I get the sugar. And he's going back to the bar. You hear him muttering a little bit. He's not really a barman, but he's, he's more of a... Well, he seems more in tune working on the airplane than working on making drinks, but he'll, he'll get it done. And Miss Winston Rogers does a gesture towards, there are a couple of upholstered chairs. Unfortunately, there are only two upholstered chairs outside of the one that she is sitting in and one uh, stool. Oh, Please. that works. I think Reginald would stay standing. Okay. I would also stay standing and look off into the distance. <laughs> of course. Uh, I mean... Si all right, and he just takes a chair. <laughs> yeah. After a moment of seeing Colin, like, just kind of staring off into the distance, Reginald's going to be like, well, if you're not going to take it, well, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and then take the remaining cushy chair. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. Um, uh, Mr. Kane? Uh, she's just making sure you're paying attention as you are gazing off and smoking. Yes, go ahead, Miss Winston Rogers. I must thank the three of you for coming here on such short notice, and I'm, I must ask for your discretion in the matters that we will be speaking of. As long as you're working for me, I will be covering your expenses, and once we are complete, I can offer you a good sum of money. We can discuss the particulars of that in a moment, but I need someone to figure out what happened to my father? And I know the three of you have, in your various ways, looked into things for people who need things uncovered. I know you, JB, you are an investigator of sorts in your writing. I know this is maybe, I don't know how many times you've been pulled in for something like this, but I've heard quite a bit of what you've done, and I thought... This might be uh, this, the thing for you. And of course, Reginald and Colin, I know both of you have found things that did not want to be uncovered before. It's part of the job description, ma'am. Yeah, I don't know, JB, because you're a writer. How much, like, mystery-solving stuff have you done? <clears throat> I'm not that much of a big deal. I think in terms of mysteries I've solved, uh, 22... 24. I forgot about the grand theft. It happened twice. Same painting. Real mess. Colin tips his hat. Yes, so this will just be another mystery for you. So, my father recently passed away. My condolences. Yes, well, in some ways he had been dead for quite some time. He was a very driven man, my father. He, he made his own fortune in pharmaceuticals after the war. And he spent his time 
traveling the world, he got a got a love for folklore and hoodoo, like the occult and things like that. He said it was the most important thing to him. He said it to my mother, who did not care for that at all. My mother and I, we watched him get ever more distant. We were well taken care of. We had the money from the business, but he was always gone with his his strange friends. Um, the year 1924, he spent the entire year pretty much away from home doing whatever it is he he did. He said that he was looking for for bad people, that he needed to make things better. Looking yes. for bad people. Yes, and I I think he found them. With all due respect, perhaps he should have contacted a professional. He did contact several people. Um, he was working with people that he wasn't in the pharmaceutical business with, but other people who seemed to, to have a, an interest in either the occult, like he said. Um, one was fascinated by, uh, he said he was an expert in drugs. There was a woman. I don't, my mother was very doubtful of the woman, but she was a little young thing. I don't think my father was interested in her. I, I know how that sounds, but it did drive my my mother to drink. He never told us about any of them. And then something happened. In August of, of 24, he came back. We, we thought at first it was good that he had come back, but something must have happened. He stopped traveling. He stopped having his, his secret meetings. He saw a psychiatrist. Um, he had never had any interest with that before. Um, and he started to burn all of his books. It, it was shocking to see. Again, we, I thought I had got my father back, but instead I got a, a shell of a man. Um, he was never the same. He, he wouldn't answer any questions about it. When my mother died in, in 32, he, he hardly grieved. It was like he, he didn't even see her as a real person. He only became more paranoid and frustrated, and when he passed away earlier this year, he was he was a shadow. She started to look away. She, she was trying to be very composed earlier, trying to be sort of matter-of-fact, but this is very clearly affecting her as she's thinking about her father. I'm sorry you went through all of that. We'll do what we can to help. Yes, yes, um, I'm, you must excuse me. Um, as we were going through his things... I found letters, letters from a na- man by the name of uh, Douglas Henslow, um, who I think was one of my father's old friends. He wrote several times to my father um, over the course of many years, asking my father about what happened. He remembered what had happened right back. My father never did. He never answered a single one of those letters, but he he did keep them. It seemed like he studied them carefully, though. Like I said, he never never wrote back. Um, um, now, do you happen to still have these letters in your possession? Yes, I do. And she gestures to a folder, and she opens them up, and there are a series of letters that are... Is there any chance you have an address for this, Mr. Henslow? Um, well, we have the return address from the letters. All I have to go on are the postmarks, unfortunately. They're sent from two different addresses in Savannah, Georgia. 
<laughs> I think this man might have known what happened to my father. Yeah, my bet would be that they were in cahoots. That seems to be the case. I want you to figure out what happened to my father in 1924. What, what shook him so deeply. And I want to know if I should be apologizing for him or defending him. I don't, I don't care what the truth is. I just want to know what it is. Spare me no details. If his work was unfinished, if he still has enemies, I worry that I myself might be in danger. So I will gladly lend you. I know Savannah is, is quite a ways away. I'll gladly lend you my plane and uh, my pilot, Mr. Kearns. Um, who has now returned with your drinks and has been standing there quietly. Sort of awkwardly looking, because, like, you see that he wants to go. The plane itself is at the moment like he was in the middle of some maintenance for it, and it seems like he wants to go back to it. But he's now kind of standing there trying to be, like, official. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, thanks. And Reginald's going to grab the bourbon from the tray. Ah, coffee, my old friend. Do, do you need anything uh, else, miss? Uh... No, Mr. Kearns, that, that will be enough. You go wherever you need to for the investigation, uh, though I would, uh, provided you do not leave the country, uh, you can fly wherever you need to. Money uh, is not the factor that time is. I, I need to know the answers. And perhaps it's nothing, but no, well, and she catches herself. No, it's something. Something to happen to my father, and I need to know what. Well, I think we can assure you that we'll get to the bottom of that something. She she nods and says, well, well thank you. Thank you. Uh, here are, are the letters, and uh, if you have any other questions for me, don't, don't hesitate to ask. Looking at the letters, does it look like there are any occult symbols or anything like that that I might recognize on them? They look mostly like just normal letters, and we could start. I can start telling you what the letters say if you start reading them. But you see no immediate occult things on them. The very first letter, though, you see that there are certain letters of words are circled in pencil, and there's like a sequence of numbers that are scratched on the side of the page. Uh, it's done in pencil, not in the initial writing of the letter, but somebody else was writing something on the side later of it. Okay, can I get anything using uh, from that using cryptography? Yeah, this is definitely whoever received the letter, probably Miss Winston Rogers' father, was trying to decode if see if there was some sort of secret message in this. And you looking at it are like, no, there was no secret message. Okay. Mm. You could spend a point of cryptography if you want to go absolutely through every single bit of all the letters. Um, but at least this first letter, there doesn't seem to be anything in particular about it. Okay, I'll take that at face value for now. Um, uh, we can hold on to the, uh, this file for now, yes? Uh, yes, take, take it with you. Perfect. Have you two got any questions for the nice lady? Oh, I'll go through the letters. Just check in contents. While they're going through the letters, is there anything else you want to say to uh, Miss Winston Rogers? It's okay if you don't, and then we can go back to the letters. But No, I got nothing. Yeah, I can't think of anything. There are several letters. They are dated, the first one is in 1925, and there's one sent in 26, 27, 29, 30, 31, 33, 
and there are three letters sent in 33. As you're going through them, they are the pleas of an increasingly desperate and hopeless man. Hmm. Uh, he's begging Walter Winston to write back with an account of what happened in August of 1924. He wants to, to say what happened. He wants to confirm what happened. Um, I, I, I need you to appease my doctors who do not believe me. Um, they're very repetitive. They only vaguely refer to what happened. They, they say the horrible things that happened. But besides that, not a ton. Uh, the first letter, please write back with your account of what happened. My doctors do not believe me. Then a year later, don't worry. I haven't told them where any of this was, and I won't. A year later, tell me they didn't die for nothing. Tell me they didn't get away with it. A year later, perhaps if they'd followed me out of there, they'd still be alive. A year later. If you just send me word telling me your version of the events, perhaps the doctors would believe you. You're respectable. They, they will believe me too. And a year later, are you ignoring me? Or is this your way of trying to help me? Your silence echoes. Maybe you're trying to tell me something. Then the letters stop for a year. And the other ones are from a new address. Things are better here. I think maybe I'm free of that day at last. I'm sorry I haven't left you in peace, my old friend. I won't write again. And then he does write again. I made a book of everything I remember. I hid it away here. But I'll tell you where it is. Just, just ask. Then the letters are from the first address again. It's been so long, I, I know, but I don't think I'll ever be able to escape what happened. Another letter. It wasn't real. Perhaps it wasn't real. They, they tell me it wasn't real. I'm, I'm so sorry if I frightened you. And the final letter. Do you even remember what happened anymore? I wonder if you've even opened these letters. All right. So that's a lot. I know. A lot of uh, GM giving you some narration. But there are two addresses. Most of them are from 513 West Henry Street, and a few of them are 23 Old Hope Road. Do they give a town? They're from Savannah. From Savannah, gotcha. Georgia. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. What, if anything, would you like to do? Well, if possible, we should probably go talk to this uh, Douglas Henslow. Sounds like he's got more to say on this whole matter. It's mm. a good a start as any. He is the only person I know of who seems to know what happened to my father. It, it would be a good place to start. Find him. And you said your father had uh, destroyed all of his books and notes otherwise? I don't think he has anything left. He destroyed most everything uh, right after he arrived home, after whatever it is that happened. In 24. Well, from the look of these letters, whatever it was, wasn't pretty. I hope that you can uncover the truth. I mean, she sort of composes herself a little bit. We can be in touch. Please let me know as your investigation continues. I suspect Savannah will not be the last step on your journey, though hopefully it will be. 
Time will tell, Miss Winston Rogers. Time will tell. And please uh, write or telegram me or even call me if you are available and let me know what's going on or let me know if you have any questions that I might be able to answer. I did live with my father through his final years. I, I did my best to take care of him. It, my husband was not fond of it, but with him gone now, it's, well, this is all I have left. Thank you for your help, Miss Winston. Winston. We'll do what we can. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, she, um, excuse me. And she, she steps away into the back. Looks like this, uh, Henslow guy might have flipped his lid somewhere a couple years ago. Not sure exactly what we'll be finding when we get there. Hmm. There, there are things out there that most people aren't equipped to uh, deal with. Um, and you are? This is me, Daniel, the narrator, asking, not, not any <laughs> character in the scene. Well, Reginald thinks he is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, we're all dead. Frank Kearns is now looking at you, sort of alone here, and says, yeah. Do you, uh, where do you want me to fly you to? Well, it looks like Savannah, Georgia, Kearns. Get that bird fueled up and we can be on our way. You got it. By the way, you recognize this as a, and when I say you, I mean only the person who knows how planes work. <laughs> Reginald, you recognize this plane as a, what sort of looks like a DC-2 made to compete with Boeing. Made by Douglas Aircraft Company. Although it looks like a, a modified version of it. Seems like a little bit bigger. Its engines are larger than a, a normal DC-2. It's either some sort of prototype or heavily modified or, or something like that. But this is a good plane. It could take you all over the world. This is uh, quite the bird you have here. Oh, yeah. Uh, Miss Winston Rogers is... Uh, Friends with the uh, with uh, Donald Douglas, the guy who owns Douglas Aircraft. She bought this plane from him. Said it was a a DC three, but I don't I don't think it's a DC three. They they're not selling those yet. <laughs> those things don't exist. Guess it's a prototype. I don't know. It, it's definitely quite nice. I'd like to. Uh, I definitely like to take this for a spin at some point. Yeah. Well, it's also pretty cozy in there. Uh, we got a couple of beds, a nice little couch. You guys can uh, lay out on. This thing could even uh, make a transatlantic flight. It's pretty impressive. Uh, mm. But uh, you guys are going to Savannah, Georgia? Yeah. All yep. right. Well, grab your stuff, load it on in, and uh, I'll get you there. And with that, I think we do the thing where we see the map and we see uh, a little red line as your plane flies from upstate New York down to Savannah, Georgia. Perfect. Da, 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 exactly. da. You land at an airport. It's a little bit outside the city limits, and you are now free to explore the entire city of Savannah. There are no neon signs telling you where mysteries are. So, and also, you're here with whatever you brought with you. All right. I would like to roll to explore the entire city of Savannah. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, what As skill one is does. that going to be? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All right, 
yeah. You're probably going to need to figure out how you're going to get into the city proper. You're going to need a place to stay. You're going to need to figure out where these addresses even are. How do you uh, approach doing that? Well, I'm sure they got maps somewhere at the airport. Well, see, Reginald was prepared for this. He brought a map. Ah, you brought a map. Will that cost me to spend a point of preparedness? No, no, no. You could have a map. Unfortunately, like, to find these specific addresses, you get sort of a general idea where the stuff is. Yeah, You might fair. want to find a phone book or an address book that you could start looking this up. Maybe find a, a library you could look up some addresses in. But the map generally, from what you're looking at, the, the, the address most of the letters are from is from a 513 West Henry Street. And you're, you're looking, Henry Street seems to be, you know, it, it's near the edge of the city, but it's in the city proper. And the other one, Old Hope Road, you does not appear to be in the city proper. You're not really able to find it anywhere, at least from looking at the map, unless you want to use some sort of uh, uh, spend or anything like that. And th you might need to just talk to somebody or, or find a, a directory. Yeah. Well, let's, uh... Let's check out that West Har Henry Street. 513 West Henry. Um, how are you getting there? You have landed at an airport. Are, do you want to get a car? Do any of you have the money to get a car? Do you want to get it on Miss Winston Rogers' dime? Are you going Obviously. to try to get a hotel to go to first? Are you all going to go to the same hotel? Are you going to go to different hotels? Uh, I just want to establish some of this stuff before we get into the actual investigation proper. That's fair. Yeah, we should probably we sh we should probably look at getting a, a place to stay in the town. It's in Savannah itself because we're probably going to be here for a little while. Absolutely, I'll have my sec. I guess I'll take care of it. You lost another secretary. That I did. Uh, you gotta keep, you gotta start treating them better. I suppose I can see the logic in that. <laughs> Jeez. Some people. Well, first, let's get let's get a vehicle or something. JB, uh, you don't happen to have any, uh, any, any contacts in this area that you know of being... So she said you were an investigator, a writer. What, what is it that you do, exactly? I am a writer. I just happen to solve mysteries on the side sometimes. It happens. I think I'm cursed. Hmm. Interesting. Well enough. Fair enough. And while I might not have any contacts in the area, we do have uh, Miss Winston's dime at the moment, so renting a car shouldn't be too difficult, right? It should not be too difficult. Yeah. Okay, let's do that then. <laughs> All right. So you rent a car, sort of a town car that the, could seat mm -hmm. the three of you. Do you want to get a driver to be taking you everywhere, or do you want to just drive yourselves? Oh, I can drive. That's going to make it much cheaper. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, as you're going, Kearns is like, well, uh, I guess I'm going to stay here uh, at the plane. You guys, uh, when you're ready, come on back. And I'll fly you somewhere else. Don't tell anybody, but like, there's this place I can just sleep in the plane, so I'm just going to do that. Huh. Sounds good. All Thank right. you, Kearns. All right. No problem. We shouldn't be more than a couple days, I'd imagine. All right. Awesome. You wouldn't say awesome. That's not a word they say in the in the 30s when this is going on. I mean... The bee's knees. <laughs> uh, PG Keen. No, I don't know. Whatever. The cat's pajamas. <laughs> <laughs>
So you drive into the city of Savannah. Savannah at one point was a bustling town. These days it has, well, seen better days. As shipping has changed and industries have changed, Savannah is still a large city, but its prominence has been reduced to a fraction of its former self. As you drive in, the asphalt on uh, many of the streets is eroded away, revealing the old cobbles below. Weeds are like coming up through the cracks in the pavement, so even the earth is underneath it. This is the sort of road near the airport where things aren't as nice. As you're getting into the city proper, you know, there are some neighborhoods that are better than others. The whole city is set up mostly around different squares, some larger, some smaller, but that's how the, the city is sort of laid out. As as you're looking for a hotel, uh, do you just drive until you see the first one? Do you stop somewhere, try to get directions to find one in particular? What's the what's the idea on that? I figured I'd be looking at the, the map while Ritz was driving. Oh, right, of course, looking at the map that we discussed. Yeah, there is just the, the Grand Savannah Hotel near the center of town, which seems like a, a relatively nice place. That sounds promising. So you guys could check in there. Uh, do you all get your separate rooms? Do you share rooms? What do you think on that? Oh, Reginald wants his own room. 100%. If we've got the budget. <laughs> if we've got the budget for separate rooms, why not? Do right? you have the budget? <laughs> um, they do. Do you tell them to charge it to to Winston Rogers? 100%. Bet your fucking ass I do. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I forgot to get a receipt for that taxi There's ride. a little confusion at first. So, like, we don't have a, a Winston Rogers name on file but i suppose we could make it account they're a little bit confused by that but it's gonna be fine we're not gonna worry about that yeah i'll give them our contact info yeah it's not like we're going back to savannah after this yeah (laughs) (laughs) just gonna just gonna have a ton of debts and just beat feet all right and as you as you find sort of like some directories and stuff is there anything else you're looking for in particular as you're getting set up i mean i know you're trying to figure out where these addresses are but anything else you're looking for anything else you're trying to find i would like to know where a library is all right there's one uh just two blocks down from your hotel hmm yeah that's handy yeah so if you you can use that to do some investigation in fact You'll probably need to go there. It's the best place to find just, like, all of the, the addresses of some older places. Do you have library use, Gil? I do. I mean, We're... I'm an author, so... <laughs> that makes sense. All right. We're going to say you looking at that while maybe the other two are getting settled into the... Getting everything moved in. You figure out both those places. One of them, the one where most of the letters are coming from, is a sanitarium. The Joy Grove Sanitarium. I thought so. For a time, there were a couple letters that were coming from outside of town, and it seems to be just like a manor house, uh, an estate, an old plantation on the edge of town. Mm. Uh, Besides that, Savannah is a pretty normal place. If you'd like, you can... Oh, I suppose I'd say, if you'd like to learn more about either of those places, you can spend a point of library use to learn a little bit more about them. You don't have to, um, though. You can just go. <laughs> I definitely think it would be worth it to um learn a bit more about the old manor house. The sanitarium's a sanitarium. Famous last words, but I don't think we're going to run into too many problems figuring out what a sanitarium is and does. Exactly. That All said, right. I would like to know more about the manor. All right. You could spend a point of library use. That I have. Okay. Um, 
it's the Henslow estate, and it's belonged to the Henslow family since 1801. And it's on a stretch of ground that is a peninsula sometimes, and sometimes it's an island, depending on the rainfall. It's it's in the swamp. Oh, fun. Um, it's called... Oh, what was that? I said, oh, fun. Yeah. It's called Moss Island Peninsula. There were a collection of farms and plantations that were all owned by the Henslows, though at this point, it seems like there's only the one manor house left remaining. And it has a current occupant, a Virginia Henslow, who at 89 years old is probably Douglas's mother. Good to know. That's all I got. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> how's everybody else doing? <laughs> yeah, how's everybody else doing? Pretty good. Unpacking. Unpacking. Not unpacking too much, though. Never know when I'll have to pack it all back up. Should note, it is very hot here in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if you, it means you've changed your outfits at all. Um, generally, you see the people around here. People would be wearing suits, maybe, in New York. Now these people would be wearing, are not wearing the jackets. Not very many people are wearing the jackets, but they are wearing uh, the ties and the 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 fancy shirts here and there and some trousers. But that's the main difference that you're seeing. Won't really talk about what the women are wearing because I don't think any of you are planning on wearing dresses at the moment. And uh, where would you like to go if there's nothing else you want to do? You know, you see. You see, there's a couple of cops hanging out uh, outside, harassing uh, an African American guy. You know, you see, um, mm. you see uh, a bunch of kids hanging out at the corner store. It's it's just it's just a city, man. It's just a, a typical city in the South. Uh, I'll I'll remove my coat to reveal a button-up shirt that's stained in all the wrong places. <laughs> Great. How about you, Reggie? Can I call you Reggie, Reginald? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Reginald would probably, like, essentially put away his suit jacket that he has. After he gets squared away uh, in his room, shifts the eye patch to the right eye, and then goes and knocks on Colin's door. Oh, hey, it's, uh, it's a fake eye patch, huh? Well, I guess it's not a fake, but... <laughs> it's a real eye patch, he just doesn't necessarily need it. It, it makes him look cool. Fair. <laughs> At least Fair. that's what he thinks. But, uh, yeah, he goes over to Colin's room and, and knocks on the door. Hey, uh, uh, Colin, you, you situated yet? That I am. Uh, what troubles you, my friend? Well, I think we need to figure out uh, which of these two addresses we're going to first. Um, well, I'd suggest we talk to the man himself first. There's mention of a book here, and it says to ask him where it is. Rather, talk to him and see if we can get it out of him before we go rooting around his house. All right. Well, let's not waste any time if we don't have to. Let's go to Joy Grove. Joy Grove Sanitarium is a hulking red brick Victorian building. It's got tall, narrow windows. It's got a gothic sort of details. It's very, it's looming verticality. It would be how I would describe the architecture of this place. The kudzu vine is growing all over the building. It's covering up the windows. It's got the whole place sort of enraptured, like it's got a green hand trying to pull it down into the land. And there are, it looks like it's about four floors tall. They're 
there's the the main entrance that you can go into at, at this point uh like before leaving the hotel reginald would have put uh, his coat back on because got to keep up appearances that and also it kind of conceals the the holster that he has and at this point he kind of just sticks his hand inside of his jacket just to kind of pat that for reassurance mm-hmm. um before going in because this building looks creepy as shit yeah yes it does <laughs> jb was it after you oh boy just another day in the life i enter as you come in there is sort of a small entry room and there is a uh, you presume it must be a nurse sitting behind the uh, counter excuse me there's a nurse sitting behind the counter she she looks up at you and says uh yes how can i help you uh, how do you do? I'm J.B. Falk. We're here on behalf of a Miss Winston Rogers. Uh, we'd like to talk to an old friend of her father, uh, Douglas Henslow. Uh, huh. I guess uh, you could sign in right here. I guess we don't have a problem with visitors. Let me see if there's anything in the files about them being visitors. Uh, the name again? Who was that? Uh, Douglas Henlow. Douglas Henlow. Um... And you see, peeking out of a door nearby, is a doctor. He's in his mid-40s, he's slender, he's got a beard, he's very bookish, salt and pepper hair, and he steps forward and up says, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Did you just say the name Douglas Henslow? A couple times, by my count. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, fascinating. Oh, oh, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm his, his physician. Uh, who's who's taking care of him here at Joy Grove? I I wonder why you wish to speak with him. No one has uh, spoken to him for well outside of his his treatment. Uh, he, I didn't know that he had any friends. I would like to assess honesty on this person. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So since this is my first time doing this, uh, yeah. we can edit this part out. So I'm assuming I spend the point and then roll a d6. If you have points in the skill, you're just good at it in general. And you could just sort of know stuff about that or do stuff related to that as much as you want. However, every once in a while, if it's something we want to dig in deeper or something you have to show particular expertise for, you might need to spend a point. Just like with the library, you're able to find out where the stuff was, but if you wanted to know deeper, like who currently lives there, what's the information about the house that used to be abandoned, that is a spend a point for. So I'm just going to give you the assess honesty right now. This guy feels more salesman than doctor, but <laughs> he seems to be more interested in you. He, he seems very interested in this. He seems sincere, but it seems like there is uh, another motive when he's talking to you about this sort of stuff, if that hmm. makes sense. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he's got ulterior motives. Yeah, he has ulterior notice. They don't seem to be sinister. You're not getting the sense that this guy means you harm in any way. But he seems very excited about somebody wanting to talk to uh, Hensley. And returning to what he's saying, he is, um, uh, we can, I could try to set up a chance for you to speak with him if that's what you were hoping for. Usually it's a, a longer process, but I, I could see if I could expedite that. Uh, can I ask what um, you are even here to see him we're working for the daughter of a friend of his. I believe the man has a right to know that uh, an old friend of his has passed by this point. We're here to deliver that message and uh, learn more about their relationship. Oh, fascinating, fascinating. Is this... Oh, 
This must be the man he was sending the letters to, right? Yeah, we got a mitt full of those. <laughs> oh, you have all of them. You know, he he didn't wish to share those with us. Um, I, we looked at some of them, but not all of them. I would love to see some of those at, at, at a later point, if you would like. He, he's been dealing... We've been doing the best we can to help him acclimate ever since the the incident that he had with uh, Mr. Henslow in 1924. And it's it's fascinating that we now have two people here that, that are involved in this sort of situation. Now we have, in some ways, a representative of the third uh, who were all there on that night that uh, seemed to, to bother them all so, so intensely. Um, perhaps we can uh, learn more together about um, the situation and, and help Mr. Henslow uh, feel better. I'm sorry, you said there were two people here involved in this? Oh, uh, yes, there is an Edgar Job. Uh, Edgar Job was another survivor of that incident um, in California. Uh, I believe he was one of the people that uh, Mr. Henslow was uh, in conflict with, as they say. What can you tell us about what happened in California that year? Well, it's hard to say. Um, the, the police reports say that there was a uh, barn that burned down and uh, uh, several uh, dead bodies. That's mostly what the police were able to find. Um, that's when Mr. Job was eventually sent here by the California Department of Corrections for us to, to oversee due to my experience with the case. Um, yes, uh, they both speak of violence. There was some sort of... Um, drug-fueled party that seemed to have gone awry. There was fire, and there was death. And both of these men have formed a sort of uh, shared hallucination of sorts, a shared psychosis of uh, what happened that evening as they refused to deal with the the violence that was inflicted. Hmm. It's all it's all very fascinating. I've been uh, I've been writing up my observations about it. Are any of you uh, familiar with um? Well, <laughs> never mind, never mind. Uh, no, no, keep talking. <laughs> I do. Do you read much much literature about um the, the medical? Are you familiar with medicine? One sec. I know I'm not. Do any of you have medicine? I have medicine and pharmacy. Oh, okay. Perfect. So you're, you're knowledgeable about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I can speak to him on the level. Yeah. Okay. So, this guy, you, from combining with the Assess Odyssey earlier in this, this guy thinks he can write a book about these guys and get some money off of it. That's what you're getting. He starts talking to you about uh, several, like, he's calling them, like, medical texts, you know they are, like, sensationalist literature about psychosis and, like, murderers and stuff. Uh, and he seems to be very interested in spreading information about that and, like, gathering information. I would say uh, this guy sucks, but that would kind of be a stones and glass houses situation, huh? Yeah. A, a little bit, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you, the, the detective who writes about the crimes they see over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, we can, uh, try to arrange the, the interview with, uh, Mr. Henslow, uh, if that's what you wish. Um, you'll just have to give us a little bit of time while we, um, uh, get him, him ready to go. Would you, would you like a tour of the grounds, uh, while, while you wait or, or anything like that? Oh, that sounds lovely. And is there any chance we might talk to this Edgar Job fellow? Oh, hmm. 
Mr. Job is a little bit more unstable, but... Well, if you allow me to sit in on the interview, I, I suppose that could be arranged as well. Uh, what do you gents think? It, it might be a good idea. If he was involved in this as well. Yeah. And I wouldn't object to having a qualified doctor on the premises, even if this guy's a quack. And who knows, maybe it'll provide a little more closure for Miss Winston Rogers. All the information we can get would be... All yeah. Right. Well, you must know that their files are confidential, but I will share what I'm, I am able to share with you. And he uh, begins to show you around the asylum. And it is... Look, it's not bad. It's not a bad place. It's just definitely a place that needs more money. Hmm. Especially since the crash, there is just not as much uh, money flowing into this place. You see that there are, like, water stains on a lot of the walls. Like I mentioned, the, the kudzu vines growing everywhere. But as you walk around, there are a lot of people that seem... Well, I mean, they're in an insane asylum, but they seem either sedate or sedated in one way or another. Um, they, um, you, you do see one man who is continuing to pound his head against a wall. Softly, but not in a great way. It seems like the first floor, there are some offices and then some common areas. There are another common area on the second floor, and the third floor is mostly patient uh, bedrooms and whatnot. There are a lot of people who are looking at you as you're going by. Uh, one, one patient makes eyes on you. Reginald looks you straight in the eye and does the thing where he slices his neck with his finger as he's looking at you and then points at you. Uh, well, as <laughs> as they do that, yeah. Reginald's going to reach into their uh, coat, the opposite side from where their holster is. Okay. Pull out a uh, like a hip a metal hip flask. Yeah. Unscrew the top. Take and just take a drink while like keeping direct eye contact. <laughs> with the the guy who just threatened them like just this show of dominance. Yeah. And then afterwards, look at the uh, air quotes doctor and one. Want some? Um, you'll have to excuse me. I'm on duty. Oh, I forgot. Before you went in, uh, you were made to sign. And if you didn't sign these, maybe you weren't let in on the tour. Uh, there was a waiver that oh, fucking the doctor wants you to sign before you came in here. Oh, That's fucking fair. course there was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's mandatory in case the patients act out. It is a bedlam, after all. You know, that's that's how it works. I have two uh, points in law. Is this all above board? It's standard legal stuff. You're signing away your right to sue in event of shock, offense, assault, or battery. All right. Great. <laughs> but this is, this is pretty standard stuff. They're not doing anything shady here. Well, unless you want to say any sort of waiver is being shady, but... <laughs> Let's be real. Any sort of waiver is being shady. <laughs> yeah, generally. So, you know, there are elaborate skylights as you're walking through. This place was lovely at one point, but now those skylights are, like, caked with grime and soot. And there was... The, the floor has, like, very fine tile work that has had water damage and patient abuse that has made it not so nice. There were elegant arched corridors that have had uh, iron gates and grills added in uh, in years later that sort of violate how nice it all looked. Mm -hmm. They're clearly overwhelmed and under-maintained. Looks like this funny farm of theirs is falling apart. All right. 
And as you are walking towards the interview room, he says, uh, the, the interview should be ready to go right by now. There is one man who just starts running down the hallway. And you see that he seems to have shaked out of the hands of the orderlies that were trying to contain him. And he's running at full speed towards the three of you. And Dr. Keaton says, uh, Mr. Culver, please uh, uh, stop, stop this instant, Mr. Culver. I could try and grab him. Do you want to try to grab him? Would that be a scuffle? Because I've got scuffle points. That would be a scuffle. Yeah, that would be a scuffle. All right. Now, how's this bit work? Okay, so I'm going to give you a target number to go towards, mm -hmm. and then you're going to roll a d6. And before you make that roll, you choose how many points you would like to spend to add to that roll to try to reach your target number. Right. So the target number for this would be three. If you okay. roll a three, you will uh, be able to grab him. However, if you would like to spend some points beforehand, you could make it more likely that you will succeed. I will spend one point. Okay. The points will refresh when you get a chance to rest, but... Okay. So, if you could roll a d6 and then add one. I rolled a six. Hey, there you go. You're able to grab him. He's he sort of wiggle it around. He seems pretty strong. And he looks at you in the eyes and he says, I know you know! I know you know! I know you know! And then he bites your arm. Ow. And I'm gonna... He's gonna make a scuffling roll. Fair enough. And considering this is his only scene, he's gonna spend most of his <laughs> points, which is good. So what's your hit threshold? Three. Okay, well, he gets you. Ugh. He did roll a one, but he spent five points. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He is going to roll 1d6 minus one to see what damage he does to you. <laughs> okay, you have been bit for three damage. All right. And you are going to need to make a stability test because somebody running up to you and biting you, seemingly trying to harm you, is not something that uh, feels good. All right, what's my number for that one? So... This is this stability test will be a difficulty three. If right. you fail it, you will lose two stability points. You may spend stability points to try to succeed at this roll. But if you spend those stability points, you will have lost those stability points. All right. I will again spend one point. Okay. Yeah, that's all, all right. right. Yeah, you are able to keep it together, as it were. This doesn't bother you too much. I mean, you have taken damage. A guy has bit you, but you're able to hold on to him, get him down, and the other orderlies grab him and uh, get there. And he, he's looking at you, and now he's not yelling anything. He's just opening his mouth and closing his mouth over and over again. Uh, he seems to be making just random noises, uh, kind of just vowel sounds. Looks like your runner's got a bit of a mouth on him here, Doc. And he is dragged away, and the doctor says, My goodness, I am... Sorry about that, uh, sir. Are you all right? Yeah, nothing. A little bit of bed rest won't cure. Okay, um, that's that's good to know. Well, as long as you're feeling okay, he seems reassured that you're not gonna make a scene about this. <laughs> um, we could. Uh... I've had worse. So, I have a question. You said at the end he was just basically making vowel sounds. Yeah. Now, this is a little bit of my knowledge of, like, the Cthulhu mythos ble uh, bleeding in here. But, you know, considering my ca character has Cthulhu mythos, were they actually just vowel sounds? Or did they sound like if it's, something if it, that would be more than that? If it is a language, 
it is no language that you recognize. In fact, okay. it feels like no earthly language whatsoever. But that's probably because he's just making a bunch of random noise. But yeah. you're not, you, because you chose for your character to have some Cthulhu mythos knowledge, there's always a little bit of you that's like, <laughs> like, oh, that might be from some other realm. That could be something terrible. Or maybe he's just making a bunch of random noises. It's okay, hard to tell. So, yeah. Reginald's going to keep that in the back. Yeah. And, well, I'm... Well, let's uh, not, not worry about that. Uh, well, I'll, I'll see to Mr. Culver later. He's usually so peaceful. Um, well... Oh, maybe I should do some first aid since I took that skill. <laughs> do you, you have first aid? I do. Okay. I put several points in it. All right. Uh, if you would like to do your first aid, uh, I believe it is... Uh, okay. Uh, so you would make a first aid roll and health points are re spending point. This will be a difficulty three, but also spending points will also heal you. The amount of points that you spend, um, if you're doing first aid on yourself, it's one to one. If you're doing first aid on somebody else, they regain two health points for every one point that you spend. Okay. So, if I were to spend three, I would automatically pass and be back at full health. Yes, you would. Okay, I will do that. Do I even need to roll then? No, you don't need to roll. You're good to go. All right. Good stuff. It, it's very, you know, it's very weird to look at, like, an actual human bite mark on your arm. It's not pleasant. That's why I wrap it up, so I don't have to look yeah. at it. Yeah, and as the doctor is letting you in... Um, I will, I will be just outside. Um, I will, I will let you, um, as you are a, a medical professional yourself, right? Uh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't catch your name. Uh, is it Dr. You said Falk? Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. All right. Well, I, I will let you oversee this, uh, uh Dr. Falk. I'll, I'll just be next door. There's a, there's a small window, so I, I will be listening a bit, but I, I will let you, you speak to the, the patient, uh, on your own. Um, please, obviously, don't do anything that um, exacerbate his situation. He has he has made uh, many steps towards recovery recently. And you're asking the wrong crew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're about to ungaslight this man so hard he's going to burn this place to the ground. <laughs> there is a room with a small table and a chair, and a couple chairs for you folks, and. What must be Douglas Henslow sitting there. He's out of shape, getting older, and losing his hair. <laughs> it's like looking in a mirror. <laughs> yeah. He's sitting there straight, but he is picking at his cuticles a little bit. And this guy definitely needs a haircut. His dark hair is, is starting to reach uh, his shoulders. Um, hello? I'm supposed to speak with you? Hello yeah. there. I'm J.B. Falk. How do you do? Oh, I'm... I'm surviving, as it were. Just trying to get healthy. Well, I'm afraid I, I must start our meeting with some rather unfortunate news. I must ask you to remain calm. Uh, your friend Mr. Winston has passed. We're here on behalf of his daughter. Oh. When... when did he pass? 
Is, th is this why I never returned my letters? Have you been dead the whole time? Well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your view, he uh, passed earlier this year. Uh, well, I hope he's at peace now. Thank you for, for letting me know that. Eh, not so fast there, Mr. Henslow. Uh, we need to investigate some things on behalf of this daughter. Oh, I'm... Oh, yes, his daughter. Oh, she must be all grown up. She's a beautiful young woman. Yes, yes. Um, what what did she want to know? I'm, I'm afraid I haven't been out of Joy Grove uh, much. I don't know too much of what's going on in the, the world. Colin looks at the others as has some self-conscience and is like, I bet what we're about to say is probably going to set him off. And the doctor said not to do that. That's the sort of look he gives you. And the look that J.B. Falk has is, but do we have a choice, though? <laughs> As you guys are communicating telepathically, apparently. Mm -hmm. No, no, it's just a whole bunch of eye eyebrow movements and facial tics. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. No notes being passed? No, no. <laughs> that would be silly. Right, of course. We wouldn't want to do anything silly. Naturally. Well, uh, according to these letters, it looks like you fellas left some loose ends out there in California. Thought I'd like to see him tied up. What happened to you in 1924? Oh, oh. Well, we were, we were traveling the country. We were on the trail of a, a drug gang. It was also a cult. We were questioning people, we gathered evidence, we, we took pictures, we traveled all over. So we were, we were detectives. We were armed with our secret knowledge in the occult. It was a ex exciting time. I'm remembering I had a southern accent. <laughs> we followed these drugs uh, all across the country until, until we got to Los Angeles. That's where the, the bulk of our investigations took place after we had traced it there and that's where uh, everything terrible happened. You see that he's, he's biting his nails and sort of looking away now. I understand that this is probably hard for you, Mr. Henslow, but we need to know what happened. Rest assured, we are not going to judge you for what you have to say. Let me, let me reassure you of that. Well, Walter and FC had been doing some research and Walter said that the, the clues pointed to a barn outside the city, and FC said that the, the moons were right. It doesn't even seem to make sense. There's only one moon. And we figured out that they'd been using their drug money to, to fund their operation, to, to summon something, to, to be in contact with the dreadful thing, a, a thing with a thousand mouths. They were going to bring it into this world or some incarnation of it in, in that barn outside of Los Angeles. As soon as we figured it out, we, we, the, the five of us, we rushed there. We got so many word that there, the, there's so many cultists and we, we had guns and, and homemade firebombs and we were going to stop it. We were going to save the world. Well, a lot of people died that night. I don't remember much. There was fire. There was, there was shooting, there were screams. At first, the, the barn went up in flames, and, and they, they ran out, and Vince, he just, he just was mowing each of them down with his shotgun as they, 
they ran out. Putting down a, a sick animal. I, I thought it was going to be okay that, that we had stopped it. And then, then in the flames, the thing, they, they weren't running from the fire. They were running from it. It was, was tall. It was so tall. Covered in mouths, but it didn't have a head. Just, I don't. I ran. I shot some people. I ran like a coward. A damned coward that I. There are some things that men are not supposed to see. And Reginald is staying, uh, trying to say this, like, quiet enough that essentially only the people at the table that are talking, like, not the doctor yeah. in the other room um, can hear. He is going to be quiet. You're going to need to use some of your interpersonal skills to get him to say any more about what is going on. I would like to spend a point of reassurance. You know what? You don't even need to spend the point. You could say, I'm trying to reassure or, him. Yeah, and that's fine. I, that, I'm going to okay. try and reassure him. How are you trying to reassure him? You're saying that, like, it's it's okay? Yeah, like, it's... It's... It's okay. I... The 1930s I version of Lol Same. yeah i guess it wasn't my fault it was it was the cult they they were truly depraved little more than animals fornicating in the name of their wicked god did drugs i'd never heard of and hurt each other for sports these these were monstrous people i try not to think about it anymore They, they tell me not to think about it anymore. Well, if you don't want to be thinking about it anymore, do your letters mention a book that you've written? Uh, he looks at you, and he, like, looks over at the window that he knows the doctor is listening at. Yes, I do have a notebook. I hid it with a secret key to understand more of what was going on back then and what's still going on. You need to talk to Frank... Hickering. He's back at my estate. Hmm. Um, and here, um, and he pulls out a, a he there's some paper and he writes a note. Take this note, give it to uh the groundskeeper. Um Carruthers will let you in. He should be able to let you look around. Uh, send my love to my mother. Of course. I'm sure she'll be happy to hear from you. You find the book, read it understand it. You have to know what happened. We went there to save the world that night and we failed. Do you understand? We didn't stop it. It's there. It's out there. It's in our world. Slowly destroying. We couldn't stop it. You have to stop it. Some say they've always been in our world. Yeah, this is that the two of you are dealing with the, the this other weirdo just saying the worst thing you could possibly say to this guy. Yeah, there's very much a dude not helping look right now. <laughs> I just look over no. at JB and do the cuckoo. <laughs> I'm I I'm sorry. I don't maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's Maybe it's all in my head, like the doctor says. I hope it is. We will get to the bottom of this, though. 
thank you. I don't, I don't want it to be real, but I fear it. And there is a knock at the door, and the doctor lets himself in. All right, I think Mr. Henslow has had enough for today. Um, if, if that's all right with you, Dr. Falk. Yes, I think this would be a fine place to end this interview. Thank you. Um, that, that'll be, um, we'll, we'll see you back to, to where you need to be, Mr. Henslow, and, and one of the orderlies comes and, and helps him out. You notice that Henslow is actually having a little bit of trouble walking, um, and he is given a couple of pills in a paper cup that he uh, swallows. He swallows them dry, he doesn't even get the water. Brutal, Damn. Right? Brutal. Take care, Mr. Thank Henslow. You. Thank you. Be very careful. Be very careful. And you see him just looking around. Just looking at every corner as if he's trying to see something. Hey, Paul. Would you say that you are haunted by nightmares of the things that have happened on the Crow's Codex? I occasionally have some difficult dreams that come up. Most of those are associated with the most recent story. Anything in particular with the most recent story that's really haunted you? The time where there were more mouths than we expected, or more eyes than we expected, or more eyes in mouths than we expected. I, it's hard to narrow it down. Was it the fish with human teeth? It's definitely up there. If any of these things sound horrible to you, you can find them and more on the Crow's Codex, now part of the Imaginary Broadcast Network. It's as real as you want it to be. What a fascinating case, don't you think? Clearly, there was some sort of difficulty with some sort of drug gang or something, but due to the, the violence, he's created this, this fantasy... Of a, of a monster. Uh, perhaps because he inflicted violence himself, he does not wish to, to see. I see the like it my line of work every once in a while. Oh, and, and what is your, your line of work? Oh, uh, sorry, I never introduced myself, did I? Colin Kane, private Oh, eye. an investigator. Well, I suppose he was involved in criminal activities, um, but this was some time ago. It's all right. They have my permission to be here. <laughs> <laughs> kind of just accidentally... Gaslit the student to thinking I was a doctor. <laughs> well, uh, that was a fascinating interview. I'm glad I was able to take some notes. Um, he has not spoken about his friends for quite some time. Um, the, the mention of his... Yeah, maybe it'll do him some good. He doesn't usually talk about um, uh, Vincent and his uh, shotgun. That's one of the things that we mentioned earlier. Now he doesn't mention it so much. If you mention it again, I, I'm not sure if that is a regression or progress. We'll have to see how it goes. Well, uh, would you like to speak to, to Mr. Job as well? Or would you like to speak to him on another day? Um, we can we could set uh, another arrangement for you all. Or we, I can... I, I know it's getting uh, late in the evening. It's not that late. It's like four o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> if Mr. Job... If we can speak with Mr. Job today, it would probably be uh, beneficial. Definitely. If it's not too much trouble. No, yes, of course. Of course. And he 
He says, uh, you'll have to, to wait for just a moment. He's brought you over to his office and it said, uh, I need to sign a, I need to organize this. But he has you sit down outside his office and it says on the door, like Dr. Keaton. And he says, I, I need to go talk to a couple of the nurses who will be with you shortly. And he steps away and you can just wait for him to come back. If there's anything else you would like to do before that, you can also do that. I don't know if there's anything. Are there a lot of people around? Not a ton right here. You're in the office area. There's not a lot of office staff going around. Mm. Why do you ask? At, at this point, Reginald's going to kind of lower his voice a bit. Hey, uh, if I can get into the office here to find some information, uh, do you guys want to, you know, run interference for me? Well, what do you expect you might find in there? The notes that Dr. Keaton probably wouldn't share with us otherwise. Might be worth a look. You know I have my ways of getting the, figuring this stuff out. Certainly, and the less said about them, the better. Reginald's gonna, you know, kind of surreptitiously try the handle. Is the door locked? It and I will locked. casually be looking at a magazine or something, or my notebook. Just blocking view as much as I can if someone were to enter the room. So for investigative skills, if I don't have it, I can't use it, or I have to roll. Yeah, if you don't have it, you mm. can't use it. Damn it. Do not know how to pick a lock. Do any of you have locksmith? I do. Hey, uh, you want to get this open for me so I can do my thing? This is a very strange way to run interference. And at this point, Reginald's going to kind of stand between view and the private dick. Oh, uh, yeah. Easy lock to open. If you just have one point of locksmith, you don't even need to spend it. Just just do it. Yeah, you can get the, you get the door open pretty easily. You know how to pick a lock, at least. Definitely. Did the whole time. I was going to say, Reginald's the one ready to break in, and you're the one who actually can. I want you to um, give me a difficulty four stealth roll. Okay, I am going to spend one point of stealth. Ech, that was bad. That could have gone better. The doctor, Dr. Keaton, is making his way back, and he sees two people standing outside of his office. I'm just going to make your stealth roll be more that he's coming back early, um, more than, uh, if, that's just how we'll, we'll do that sort of thing there. Oh, um, I'm sorry, where did your friend get off to? Interference. Bathroom? Oh. Oh, yes, uh, of course. Well, um, do we, do we want to wait for him? Um, we could, or he could join us when he's, he's finished. Um, the doctor seems a little awkward about this. Um, he's wondering why you would go off to go to the bathroom in this place. You gotta go when you gotta go. Uh, oh, I think, I think Reginald knows this play because <laughs> we've worked together before. It's like, always tell him it's a number two. Always. Yeah. Uh, can I, sp I can spend preparedness for no, that. No, you, you like. don't need to spend preparedness to lie that he needs to shit. Okay, that's not, that's not what that's for. Oh boy, that's definitely a sentence that was just said by a human being. <laughs> yeah, we can we can we can start without him, right? We we can. Yes, uh, he would need to wait out. He would not be able to be part of the conversation, though. To be fair, he did seem to be particularly uh, triggering to the to Mr. Henslow. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> well, uh, let me just get some of my notes from my office real quick, and uh, we could be on our way. Uh, if you would like, you can try to make another stealth check to hide in the office. It will be a difficulty five. 
other people might be able to assist you to lower the difficulty if they do something that will help. Well, I'm going to spend two points this time. Okay. Does anybody have anything that they think might help? You know what? I've got points in pharmacy, and I know a super boring topic that's actually really interesting that could keep a doctor busy for a while. I I ask him before he goes, uh, what medication he's keeping everyone on? Oh, and he is going to now be a little bit more distracted. He's still going to go into the room, but he's going to be distracted and talking to you. Um, I'll lower the difficulty by one, so it will be a difficulty four now. Oakley doakley. And You roll. got this. Haha! Yes! Seven. You did. Okay, you are good to go. You have. Um, where do you think you hid in his office? Also, you know, it, it seems like a kind of messy doctor's, like, uh, personal office. It's like his little side room. He's got books, he's got writings, he's got all of his notes and stuff. How do you hide? I'd imagine under the desk. That was one of the uh, things that I was thinking is, yeah, like, essentially uh, dip under the desk. It works. So yeah, as soon as I hear them coming in, I'm going to be like, whoa. <laughs> and now we're going to split the party, I guess. Well, you will now have free reign to look through all the files in here. And he actually just grabs an empty notebook because he needs to just be taking notes on this. I guess not an empty notebook. He's got some stuff in it. But it seems like hopefully some of the other files are still going to be. But let's go over and see what's going on with Mr. Um... Mr. Job. So yeah, let's let's see our little innervation with uh, Mr. Job, Mr. Edgar Job, and then we'll get back to your your office uh, file stealing. The doctor does come in with you this time, and Job, oh. Edgar Job looks in a word uh, pathetic. <laughs> He's skinny. He's got stubble all over his like face and scalp. Um. He looks almost like a prisoner of war, but wearing, like, the, the uniform of a sanitarium patient. And he smells overwhelmingly of cigarettes and mouthwash. And he, the doctor sort of gestures to have you guys go ahead. And uh, Job is the first one to speak, and he says, uh, you got a cigarette? I'll hand him one. I'll even light it before I do. Thank you. He's not allowed to have a lighter, so this that's very handful. That makes sense. Yeah, thanks. Mr. Job, my colleague and I have some uh, questions for you. About what? Uh, it may interest you to know that we're here on the behalf of uh, Mrs. Winston Rogers. I don't... Is that... Uh, I, don't, I don't know who the fuck that is. Daughter of an old friend of yours? Well, <clears throat> yes, the Winston would be the relevant part of that. I repeat, I don't, I don't know any fucking Wilson. It's okay, Edgar, you can answer them truthfully. I fucking am answering them truthfully. I don't know a Winston. Uh, hey, I have assessed honesty. Is he answering truthful truthfully? <laughs> he, yeah, he does not know any Winston, or at least that name does not ring a bell to him. Is this... Look, you come to Gawk, okay? Look at me. Oh, the crazy guy. Okay? Are we done here, Doctor? How about Douglas Henslow? Uh, you and him do anything up in California there? He, um, he has a much different reaction to that. He looks at you and says, eh, the doc tell you about this? Uh, somewhat. We're looking to wrap up some loose ends for a client. I'm not supposed to talk about that, okay? Doctor says, and he gestures to the doctor, I'm not supposed to talk about, uh, about, uh, fucking Henslow and his friends. 
Oh, is that the Winston? Ah. All right. That must be one of those those poor bastards who got killed that night, right? Uh, not that night. Uh, some years well, later, in fact. I don't. I don't. Why don't you talk tell us everything about who? Cavaria. They. They were the person that was in charge of those. Those parties. The, that that gang. I'm. Doc says I'm not supposed to do it. He says, "Look it over at the doc." You don't have to answer anything you don't want to answer. Certainly, certainly. And we wouldn't want to upset the patient, would we, Doctor? Mm. Which doctor were you talking to? The real doctor or your fake doctor? The real doctor. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, if you if you want, if you feel comfortable answering, you can, Mr. Job. Um, you need to tell me what keys you would like to use in terms of your uh, interpersonal skills. What keys? What? What I mean is, like, what are you using? What are you going to use to unlock this guy? I'm using a metaphor. What what, what interpersonal skills are you using here? Obviously, obviously you have quite the story to tell, so you don't have to go into detail, but I'd love to hear it. Don't think of it like a bad memory. Think of it like something that happened to somebody else, and tell me what happened. They, we didn't have a name. You know, people can't say cult all the time. I thought cults had names. We didn't have a name. We were just... We were just people who hung out with the Cavaria, you know? Just, you know... I guess a cult's a way you could describe it. it we were just people, you know? I, I met him when I was uh, studying at UCLA. George introduced us, I think. George... George Avery? I don't... I can't remember. It's all... Whatever. I... The Cavaria, good guy. Well creepy guy but hell of a guy huge library bunch of creepy books he gave he told us what we should do um uh, the 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 sex we should have the 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 things we should draw the things we should say out, out of all those uh spooky books I, I thought it was just a bunch of nonsense uh, it was just parties you know s-e-c-t-s or s-e-x oh i'm sorry do you not know about mommies and daddies. <laughs> I'm just curious. No, no, those parties were wild, my friend. Sex, ah, nice. drugs. I was basically high from 1923 to August of 1924, okay? Uh, my memory's not so good because of that. But, uh, you know, I remember a lot of sex. And I remember a lot of drugs. That was some potent shit. Cavaria, I don't know where he got it, but it was good shit. <laughs> and then, then it was more. It's more than just parties. He said that we'd have power. He promised all of us that there was going to be power. That Galgaroth was here, or when he was here, we would give the world to him, and then he would give the world to us. The the fisher from outside would would be drawn in. I don't. I don't, it's hard to, it's, it didn't make any fucking sense. And I suppose all the sex and drugs kept you from seeing the, uh, very obvious red flags. I mean, he was just, I thought he was just making it up, you know? I thought mm. he was just some, some crazy Mexican thing. Some crazy hokum. Uh, some crazy nonsense. He could say whatever he wanted as long as the parties kept happening. I don't know, after a while, it, it started to make sense, you know? 
I mean, I don't know. Hmm. Well, every party ends eventually. No fucking kidding. That Can night, you tell man. us what happened that night? Yeah. This this one guy. I uh mostly remember this one guy. He had a shotgun. And Kavaria was yelling at him, chanting something, and then Kavaria didn't have a face anymore, just blown away by this guy. Grab Kavaria's knife, big ol' fucking knife, twisty, terrified looking. Made it so he didn't shoot me, you know? Hmm. I had to get away. I had to keep him from killing me, too. Did you kill him? I see his face every night, you know? I guess I knew it was wrong, but I didn't want to die. Uh, what, what's that you said, Dr. Keaton? Uh, I can't undo it, so I should... And then Dr. Keaton finishes the sentence with him. Can't, cannot control, control the, past. the past. It's very true. Yeah. He was... He was casting spells that night. Or on all of us, or, well, cast a spell on, on me. He said that I was a, a big deal, that I was, uh, I don't know what I was supposed to do, but I was supposed to be the one standing before the fissure, and that he would come into the world, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, said I was important, came in though, it wasn't, it wasn't what he promised. It never is. Uh, you know, I ran, woke up in handcuffs. Cops came in, accused me and a couple of the other people of uh, crimes, threw me in jail. Then eventually I ended up over here. Don't know quite how that happened, actually, Doc. <laughs> You're under good care now. The state of California was not going to be able to take care of you the way that I can. Eh, so you say. God, this guy makes my skin crawl. He says this quietly, just as he's sort of thinking. That thing's still out there. Well, Mr. Joe, I think that's all our questions for the moment, and thank you for your time. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, fascinating. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to, to relive some of those experiences. But remember, Mr. Job, there was no creature, okay? No mouths. Okay? Wink. <laughs> uh, the doctor looks at you and says, that's not, that's not helping. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we will um, uh, make sure you're still taking your pills um, and we'll, we'll speak later. And uh, the doctor shows you up. Meanwhile, while this was all going on, free to look through the files is Reginald. Reginald is going to, like, he, he's not necessarily subtle about these things. First, he is going to look for Douglas's file and then pull out, like, the oldest of the documents because he thinks those are probably going to have the most useful information, even okay. though they're going to be kind of about ravings of a perceived madman. And actually, he's probably going to do the same thing for uh, Edgar as well, is basically grab the earliest documents out of both of their files and just kind of right. squirrel them away. As you sort of glance at the files, like, you're not a doctor or anything, but... Um, no. Looking at it, it mentions that Henslow and Job went through something called confrontation therapy, where they were put in a room together and allowed to interact. When they're on their medications, Jesus. it says a desire by both patients to end the encounter. And when they interacted off of their meds, they eyed each other angrily and 
EJ Rush DH once screaming, you tried to kill me, but I'm still here over and over until orderlies got them apart. That's fair. <laughs> now, the, the, the names that uh, Edgar had mentioned that Reginald didn't hear, on, like, kind of flipping through what of the document, his documents that he'd seen, did Reginald read any of those, like, names or references? You mean, like, the other people part of the crew? Specifically, Cavaria, Fisher from Beyond, and the name that you had mentioned that I didn't end up writing down. Golgoth. Vincent, too. Well, Vincent was already in my notes, because we'd already heard about him from, uh... The only thing you really find, there's some references to it, but it just says richly intertwined delusion and psychosis. And there's a margin note that says, could be my glimpse of madness, question mark, or maybe just a chapter, which you don't recognize, but that is a sensationalist um, story of a sanitarium in California that sold very, very well. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, if you steal but, these files out. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Reginald's, like, pocketing these files. Yeah, and exactly. after, like, basically after gathering this, is going to surreptitiously sneak his way or yeah. leave the office. Yeah. You, there's also a letter. It says that Dr. Keaton wrote a letter to the state of California in 1931 petitioning to keep Edgar Job in treatment in Savannah at Joy Grove's expense rather than to transport him to a prison in California. Hmm. And there's a perfunctory reply letter that's essentially California saying, sure, whatever, if you're going to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's that government. Sense. Yeah. That, that tracks. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll probably take that too. Yeah. Because Just grab be general files and yeah. make it out of there. And yeah. And what do you want to do? You're trying to like, find the rest of the crew or are you just gonna sort of wait here until they come back what, what are you thinking i think uh so first the door is it one of those ones that has like the little turning lock from the inside like most inside doors have yeah okay so as as reginald's leaving he's gonna relock the door and close it behind him of course and yeah he's gonna sit here like by the office because you know he's this is where the, the we were originally meeting and he left to go drop a deuce so jesus this is where he'd come back to <laughs> and right. like when everybody comes back he's sitting there sit, uh sipping on his flask again well while you're waiting you notice something you know you're just sort of looking around making sure that everything's okay and you're looking at the the water damaged uh walls and just sort of looking around and you catch sight of something there is a yellow tooth mouth growing out of the wall and it's mouthing words silently. The, the, the yellow tooth mouth. Um, what do you do? This mouth is like across from me, like right yeah, next it, it's, to me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit forward and to the right. It's uh, next to one of the doors leading uh, deeper into the asylum. Uh, there's no skill for reading lips, is there? I don't know if there's a specific skill for reading lips. Is there a skill that you have that you think would let you read lips? No, you cannot figure out if it's trying to say anything. Oh, we're going to need to make you, have you make a check. Ah, uh, yes, very much so. Difficulty four, possible loss of four. Ooh, and I can spend one for this. Yes. So I will spend one. So that's going to take me to nine before the roll. Okay. Roll high. Oh, no. <laughs> that is... 
Oh no. That, that, that's bad. Four stability. Yep. It'd be worse. So that takes me to five. And something about it, like you get up and you are drawn to this mouth. But as you approach it, it it's like it grows back into the wall and disappears. What? What? Ugh. There's, there's, there's something going on here. And at this, he's going to take a longer swig off of his flask, which is, I'm going to say, probably, like, drains it at this point, because yeah. he's been kind of sipping on it all day. Yeah. And do that whole thing where he shakes it, and then kind of shakes it upside down, and, like, a single drop falls down. Uh, do you have... time to run out. Yeah. Do you have a cult skill? I have a cult, too. You have a cult, too. All right. You notice... That as you are, you're sort of looking at the wall very closely now, trying to figure out what the hell this is. Yeah. You see that there are symbols drawn, like, on the wall. And as you're looking around, you see that there are symbols, like, drawn on a lot of the walls around here. They're very small. These small little symbols are drawn all over everything. And you recognize them. There's an occult significance to them. These are warding. They are symbols meant to thwart spells that spy magically from a distance. None of them are like an actual spell. They're not drawn well enough. It's almost more just like random occult graffiti that seems to be trying to keep out magical eyes looking at them. Okay. Um. Now, do these look like they're like, are they done in like ink or does it look like you know dried blood that they're written in uh they're etched into it oh they're carved in yes okay or yeah and so there is some that are painted on the wall as well you see that it's it's all sorts of different ways of doing it painted with like a a a bluish paint that unfortunately in most places is is melting off the wall when the walls got wet hmm all right and uh then the doctor and your two friends get back with you staring at a wall. Did you wash your hands? Uh, well, of course. That was, uh, I, I apologize, Doc. And Doc, um, oh, that was, uh, I shouldn't have had that burrito earlier today. Oh, it did a number on me. No harm, no foul, my friend. Ugh. Well, harm to you, but that's not my problem. Harm to the toilet as well, if I'm gonna be honest. And I have to imagine it was pretty foul. You know what? Fair enough. I walked right into that one. <laughs> well, I'm going to let the three of you um, discuss that. Um, please do be in touch. Uh, is there anywhere that I could reach you? I could try to gather more information about these gentlemen. And I might want to, to talk with you to, to get a quote for um, uh, some works that I'm working on. Uh, yeah, here's the number from my office. Oh. Uh, great. I will. This is not in savannah do you have a messaging service i got a secretary she'll take your call and uh here let me give you my card he gives you uh, his calling card um well uh, it's been a pleasure working with you all um if you do find out anything at the the henslow state um i would love to hear it his mother has not wanted me to visit there well <laughs> must uh be on my way you have a you have a lovely day and you as well, Doctor. Yes. Um, and we'll have uh, Nurse Joy see you after. <laughs> nurse Joy. Oh, we had a Nurse Joy back at our hospital, too. Yeah, it's a very common name for nurses. They all look very similar, <laughs> yeah. too. I think they're sisters. They're all sisters and all nurses, huh? That's wild. 
<laughs> and you are led out by the disaffected Nurse Joy. <laughs> and she actually says real quick to, uh, as you're going out, to JB, uh, they said you were a doctor. That is what they said. <laughs> All right. Do you, uh, can you write prescriptions? Oh, probably not in Georgia. Thanks for listening, all you horrible abominations. Our cast this week featured series regular Russell, who also edited the episode, and who wants to wish a happy birthday to their lovely wife, Renee. Damien, who streams on Twitch at Magical Hack, and Nathan from Kingdom Hearts of Forgotten Eras podcast. Just a friendly reminder that we'd love for you to join the Daniel's Dread Tales Discord and, you know... Tell us how you think about the show. Another way you could tell us about the show that actually would really help us out is to review us on your podcast platform of choice and, uh, you know, give us five stars. It helps the algorithm gods uh, support us. Anyway, we will see you all in two weeks on December 1st for the conclusion of this adventure, at least for now. Have a love-craftic day. <laughs> <laughs>